Hello and welcome, future thinkers. My name is Juan Arzu, but you can also call me J1 the Great. You are now listening to Let's Be Real, our one-man show review podcast of ideas that may possibly change our outlook of the world. Intellectuality. What is it? And how can I become an intellectual? (laughs) Well, before we begin our exploration of this idea, we have to ask ourselves, you know, what has society told us that we must do in order to become an intellectual, right? So in order to answer these two questions, intellectuality, what is it? And how can I become an intellectual? We have to view, we have to view what society has determined that we must do in order to become an intellectual. And I think that the answer to that is simple. It's that we must be good scholastically or be good at academia or be good at school in simple words, right? Um, if you think about it, from the very early stages of our childhood, we, we have been hammered with the idea that we must be good at school, right? Those kids who are good at school or who are book smart, right, are kids who are considered gifted. Those kids who are gifted are placed in advanced programs for the gifted. They're considered intellectuals, right? Even in high school, if you think about it, if you want to go further than your local community college, then you sign up for AP classes. AP classes um, were the courses where most of the quote-unquote smart kids were. Right? Many people view being an intellectual also as being a deep thinker, such as a philosopher, you know, like Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, Frederick Nietzsche. And also... You know, they view being an intellectual as as someone who is good at numbers, you know, which takes me back. I remember when I was in high school, I struggled a lot with um, the geometry course. Right. Uh, I believe it was either sophomore year or, or junior year. I don't I can't recall very well. All I know is that for whatever reason, I wasn't very interested in geometry. It's not that necessarily I'm I'm bad at math because I'm not. But that course I struggled with. And maybe it was because I was distracted. I don't know. I can make many excuses. All I know is that I passed the class and I passed it with a good grade. But I didn't pass it because of my own merits. I simply passed it because there were a bunch of friends who were girls who allowed me to, um, you know, to copy their papers or uh, copy their tests or their homeworks in order for me to pass the class. You know, I I passed it with a B, I believe. (laughs) But either way, the point is that. You know, many people view intellectuals as people who are good with numbers. You know, one of the few things that I recall from um, from that geometry course is it's uh, the name Euclid of Alexandria. Euclid of Alexandria was um, was considered the, the, the father of geometry. And he had a crazy quote. He said once that the laws of nature are but the mathematical thoughts of God. And this always stuck with me. And the reason is because... It doesn't matter if what your view is, you know, as far as if God is real or not. For the sake of for the sake of conversation right now, that's irrelevant. But what matters is that he viewed math as the underlaying or the underpins of the laws of nature. You know, and society looks at intellectuals in the same way. They look at intellectuals as people who are in 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 search or who are seeking for the secrets of the universe, you know. And what Euclid is saying is that math or numbers are part of the secrets or the laws of the universe. 
you know, this reminds me of the show, I believe it's called Big Bang Theory. And one of the characters, one of the main characters in the, in the show, Big, ba- Big Bang Theory, is um, is Sheldon Cooper, right? And he is a theoretical physicist. And his job is specifically what Euclid described, is the exploration of such laws, of such uh, numbers, in order to figure out the universe, right? And um, so... Being an intellectual is always viewed in a way where, you know, you have to be good at school, essentially. There's a, a correlation for many that in order to be an intellectual, you got to be good at school. But the problem with that idea is that um, that quote unquote goalpost is always moved further and further away. You know, for my parents... Graduating out of high school was an accomplishment, you know, Um, and they themselves were viewed as smart people if you graduated out of high school, right, during their time. Today, if you don't, if you graduate out of high school, that's not viewed as as an impressive feat. It's actually viewed in a negative light, right? Even, even today, if, you know, if you graduated from, you know, like a, a local university or a local community college with your associates that's not viewed in a positive light it's viewed in a negative light not too many employers are looking for people who have associates in order to give them you know a, a high pay raise you know so that's the problem with that concept of school and intellectuality it's a concept where the line or the goalpost or the goal is moved further and further away um, with years that pass, you know, bachelor's degrees, even nowadays are considered, um, something that employers are not looking for. They're attributing worth essentially to our intellectuality or your intellectuality. They're saying, well, you're not smart enough to work this job. So you got to go back to school and essentially get a PhD or get a master's or get a doctorate, so on and so on. Right. So that, like I said, that that goalpost is being moved further and further away. There's all these rankings um, to intellectuality, and if you think about it, even within the schools, there's a ranking, right? If someone graduates from the local state university, with a let's say let's say I graduate from uh, my local state university here in Florida with uh, a degree in economics, right? And uh, let's say Francis, same same age, same sex. Um, you know, um, graduates from Harvard with a degree in economics. If me and Francis go to, you know, to a job fair looking for a job, when they look at our resume and they realize, okay, well, J. One the Great graduated from a local university, um, you know, and he got a, a degree in economics, but Francis here graduated from Harvard and he also got a degree in economics. He's going. Francis is going to be viewed in a way which is more favorable simply because of the idea that you know he comes from a place where you have to be a, a high thinker or an intellectual, you know, of uh, in order to you, for you to graduate or even to attend that school, right? Even amongst the high elite schools for intellectuals there's rankings right if you think about there's in in the ivy league i believe there's 12 schools 
I believe is Harvard, Yale, Brown, Stanford, Princeton, Cornell, Columbia, and in and, and University of Pennsylvania. I'm forgetting some. Um, but the point is that amongst even those quote-unquote elite schools, there is quote-unquote elite schools. Because if you graduate from the University of Harvard or University of Yale or Princeton or Stanford, it's going to be looked at more favor favorably than if you graduated from the University of Pennsylvania, right? So even amongst the, the, the elite schools, there is a hierarchy to the way that people are viewed um, according to their intellectual endeavors. <clears throat> you know, like I said, they always society always teaches that we got to be good at school. We got to be good at school. We have to be good at school, such as, you know, such as um, individuals who graduated from those programs or from those schools, such as Lupita and Youngo. Right. Lupita and Youngo. Beautiful. Um, you know, young lady. She graduated from the school of Yale and she got her master's in acting or even um, John Legend, the super talented or multi-talented John Legend. Uh, who attended the University of Pennsylvania, or my favorite president of all times, President Barack Obama, who attended Columbia first, and I believe he graduated from Harvard School of Law and got his law degree from Harvard, or even President George W. Bush Jr., who attended Yale, and I believe was the first president who, who or the first person who became president with a master's or, 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 or an MBA in business, you know, even president Donald Trump, right? He graduated from an Ivy league school. He graduated from the school, um, the university of Pennsylvania with a degree in, in economics. And which brings me to my next point, right? The last two individuals I spoke about George W. Bush and and Donald Trump are individuals who their intellectual uh, or their their intellectual capacities is are questioned every single day, right? Uh, or were questioned every single day. For George W. Bush, I remember being in high school and um, just watching the media, um, you know, tear this man apart. You know, in in Saturday Night Live, uh, people were just going at him because. He was always portrayed as this dunce, as this dumb person, even though he himself graduated from from one of the most prestigious schools in America. Same thing with Trump. Trump is a person that every day people are laughing at him for something he said or something he did. Right. He is not viewed in the lights of in in in, you know, in the lights of society as an individual who is smart. Um so, which brings me to my next point, which if the definition of, of being an intellectual is any uh, of being an intellectual, the definition of being an intellectual is anything relating to the intellect, which not all educated individuals are intelligent. We see that, right? Or we, we know people like that. We know people who are educated, who have gone to schools, who have degrees, but in reality, they might be as dumb as a rock sometimes because all they have is book smart. They're not they don't have any street smart or they're not common sense smart or they don't have any life lessons you know, in order for them to navigate the world. Right. So just because you are educated doesn't mean that you are intelligent. 
or it doesn't mean that you're smart. Um, and, you know, you can qualify. You can say there's an aspect of you that's intelligent, but it doesn't mean necessarily that you as a person are intelligent. And not not all people who are uneducated are unintelligent individuals or are dumb, right? I, I You probably know, and I know for sure, I know many people who, you know, in my family, I know some people who didn't even finish eighth grade but through life they were able to learn you know a craft and they were able to open their own companies and and because they were able to open their own companies they were able to you know live a life that's comfortable a life that that um many people would say is a good life and they didn't necessarily go to school or graduate out of graduate out of any you know school of higher learning they didn't learn anything from school um, they learned everything, everything through life experience, right? So just because you're just because you're educated, it doesn't mean that you're smart. And just because you are quote unquote uneducated, it doesn't mean that you're dumb. Um, if you think about it, many of the 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 tech moguls of today's time didn't even finish college, right? Bill Gates comes to mind. Um, Bill Gates didn't finish college. Uh, Steve Jobs didn't finish college. I believe the the robot guy, the robot from Facebook, what's his name, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, he didn't finish college either, and he's a multi-millionaire. Uh, you know, Russell Simmons, one of the co-creators of um, Def Jam, didn't finish college either. But what all these people have in common is that, in many ways, people view them as geniuses of their time right or or you know intellectuals of their time simply because they took time out of their life to pursue their dreams so i'm not telling you to drop school <laughs> don't don't take that don't take what i'm saying as as a as a sign from the universe or from the heavens in order for you to drop out of school that's not what i'm saying you know, don't think that just because um, they did it that you can do it. That's not what I'm saying either. And what I'm saying is, um, you know, if you have a plan and you have a plan that you're going to follow through and execute to follow your dreams, then do so by all means. You know, but don't think that, you know, that you're going to just drop out of school and that you're going to have a better life in today's society, not, you know, 50 years ago in today's society. Um, where education is is highly valuable simply because jobs, you know, deem it worthy that you're going to have a, a comfortable life if you drop out of school. I'm not saying it's impossible and I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it either. I'm just telling you that before you consider such, you know, measures that you have a plan and you have a plan and that you believe in your plan and you're able to execute that plan um throughout so so if being an intellectual you know if being good at school doesn't necessarily mean you're an intellectual then what does it really mean to be an intellectual and for me the answer or the response to that question is simple it's not really complicated it doesn't require a title from in order for you to become a, an intellectual, it doesn't require a title from an institution giving you credentials or or a specific individual um, basically telling you that you're smart 
in order for him or for that person to attribute worth to what you're doing. No, it doesn't require any of that. For me, in, in the idea we're exploring today, an intellectual is a person who is capable of having their own thought. That is what makes you an intellectual. If you're capable of having your own thoughts, of thinking for yourself, then you are an, intellect, an intellectual. It sounds easy, but it's uh, rather complicated in the times that we live in. And the reason is because we live under the constant pressure of marketing, or like I like to call it, the, the algorithm of society. Think about it. All of our thoughts are, quote unquote, being programmed, right? Through TV commercials that tell us what to buy and how to buy and when to buy. To the Internet, right, um, that basically encapsulates us in tribalism. You know, if if you go to Facebook and you like, let's say that you are a person that leans a little bit more to uh, the conservative side of the politics, conservative side of politics, right? and you like a video. Well, the algorithm of Facebook is going to take a note of that. And the next time you log on to Facebook, they're going to suggest you other videos or other reading material or other pictures that are similar to the one that you liked. Same thing happens in YouTube. If you are a liberal, you know, if you tend to lean more to the liberal side, if you like the video that was more, um, you know, about the Democratic Party, the next time you you log on to YouTube or you go on YouTube, you're going to see videos that are closely related or related to um, specifically to, you know, liberal talking points. And the more that we like those videos, the more that we like those pictures, the more that we like, you know, the, the, that reading material, the more that those platforms, those social platforms will direct us in that, in, you know, in, in towards that area of the internet. And what happens is that we become enclosed in tribalism because we're not able to see the thought process or the suggestions or the ideas of other people who think differently than us. We have completely, you know, become tribal in our way of thinking simply because the Internet is designed to be like that. And the same thing happens in music. If you think about it, if you go to Spotify, for example, if you click like uh, a rap song, Spotify is going to, you know, suggest to you music that is similar. If you clicked on a rap song, that's, a, you know, a Drake Spotify, next time you log on, is going to suggest to you a song that is about Drake or similar to the the song that you heard of Drake. If you same thing, if you go to Apple Music, right? And the same thing happens even in the school system, in education. We are constantly being pressured with ideas, um, and we're taught that these ideas are correct, right? But there's nothing challenging those ideas in order for us to be able to think for ourselves. Um, what comes to mind right now is Brown versus the Board of Education in Topeka, Kansas. Brown versus the Board of Education was was heralded as one of the wins of the civil rights movement. 
But in reality, if we look back in hindsight, we see that Brown versus the Board of Education had a lot of negative effects on those children in the African-American communities. And the reason is because we integrated the wrong thing. We integrated the students, but we never integrated the system. And this is what I mean by that. For instance, when the Supreme Court began to began the mandate that Southern states should comply with Brown versus the Board of Education, more than 30,000 black teachers and administrators were fired to ensure that white teachers and white administrators kept their jobs. And if you think about it, the kids were, you know, taken out of their schools, out of their black schools, out of their African-American schools, where they had African-American teachers, where they had African-American um, administrators who viewed those children as an extended part of their family. Therefore, they invested more time and and they saw those children as you know as people of worth and they invested more energy into their education just because of it they were taken out of those schools where they had those teachers who were who had their backs there's administrators who had their backs and they were integrated into quote-unquote white schools where they didn't have those teachers who had their backs, who, where they didn't have those administrators who had their backs. And history, you know, looking back on hindsight, the statistics show that the African-American children suffered because of it. Many children's grades dropped. And in many ways, it was because many of those white teachers did not have those children's back. They didn't care if those children's passed or failed. They did not invest the same energy or viewed the kids as an extended part of their family, just like their African-American teachers and administrators saw them. Actually, the statistics, the statistics show that children, African-American children who have an African-American teacher um, are the percentage drops dramatically for them to you know for them to be kicked out of class or for them to be uh um suspended or sent to to in school suspension it drops dramatically simply if they have a black teacher who is teaching them the same thing happens with the administrators right if children in schools have black administrators the percentages drops you know dr dramatically when those when those teachers when those administrators are black the percentages drops dramatically for those children to be suspended out of school or to be expelled out of school um and it's it, it makes it makes logical sense because when we when we when we integrated we didn't integrate the system we integrated the children but the system remained the same and this, the system is what's flawed. So throughout throughout you know school, we've been taught that Brown versus the Board of, the, of Education was a positive thing, was something that we can look look at as a win, not only for the African-American community, but also for America, 
because we were moving away from the intolerance of racism, right? But in reality, we look back at it and we realize that's not necessarily true. But we're not able to see that truth because that truth is not taught to us in school, you know? So we're constantly under this pressure of, of society that only wants to show us one side of the coin or without seeing the full picture. Um, you know, in, 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 um, intellectuality doesn't come from information. Rather intellectuality comes from the ability of following a thought through its logical thought process, right? And no matter the emotions that we feel or that we may have towards the subject matter, um, when we see a thought through, uh, it's complete logical process this is what is known as intellectual um it, this is what is known as being intellectually engaged right when we see it when we see a thought all the way through its complete logical process this is what is known as being intellectually engaged i'm not sure if anyone has ever worded um this you know this idea in the way that i'm doing it maybe they have already maybe they haven't but i'm going to coin it right so when you see um when you when you see a thought all the way through, that is what is known as being intellectually engaged. When you don't see a thought all the way through or an emotion all the way through, that is what is what I call, you know, being intellectually lazy. So let me explain it um, just in an example. That way it's easier to understand. For example, if if a if a person uh, has an argument at work with one of their coworkers, right, and they're upset because they had an argument with their boss, um, but they're not necessarily they're not necessarily aware that they're 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 upset. When they get home, they start projecting the, these negative frustrations towards their girlfriend, wife, kids, or loved ones, whoever they they may be, um, you know. And if the person is mature enough, they can realize that okay, well, I feel frustrated because I had an argument with my boss or my coworker. Um, but I'm now I'm home, so therefore I shouldn't project or I shouldn't put these negative emotions on the people that I love. The same thing happens um, in in situations of poverty. You know, many of us find ourselves in poverty, and we have these nine to five jobs that we hate, right? Like a job at a at a fast food restaurant, um, where you know I hate I hate the company, I hate the people I work with. Uh, I hate what I do. So therefore, when a customer comes up to me, um, I'm rude to that person. Right. And I may not do I may not be doing it consciously. I may be doing it unconsciously simply because I'm frustrated. But if I'm able to like sit down and think about why I feel frustrated, why do I feel like this? Then I can follow the logical thought process all the way through. And I will realize, OK, well, I'm I feel frustrated because I'm you know, because I'm tired of this job. I hate this job. I don't want to be here no more. And and if I if I'm able to think that way, then I'm able to take matters into my own hands because now I can do something about that job. I can quit that job and look for another or I can, you know, go and open my own business or 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 do something, go back, go go to school, find an, try to find a different way in order to better my circumstance. Right. Or maybe, you know, like the kid in in. in the kid who lashes out at their teachers because at home, mom and dad are going through a divorce 
and his life is dysfunctional because of it right um that child lashes out not knowing that he's not lashing out because he's mad at those the students or the teachers but rather because he's mad at mom and dad right but the child is not mature enough so um in order to realize that but in order for you to be intellectually engaged and not be intellectually lazy it takes maturity and it takes brutal honesty because you have to view yourself in the mirror and have a real conversation with yourself the same thing happens with information sometimes information is passed down through generation and generation and generation and it becomes kind of like a tradition and, and we become emotionally attached to it because it's been repeated over and over and over again but you know there might there might come a time where that information is challenged with new information that's coming up um, through science or or through you know through research and and now we have a choice we have a choice to basically clamp down in our emotions and our pride due to our tradition and accept that new information i mean and, and reject that new information reject it because it doesn't fit our tradition doesn't fit our narrative it doesn't fit our agenda and we reject it completely or we may be objective right and um look at that information and say okay well this is this information here is uh it's good let me look into it let me inquire let me ask questions let me educate myself and if i do so then you know come to a logical conclusion at the end of all of this um th that's the two options that we have as people but sometimes we don't do that if you think about um like back in the days when doctors or scientists were beginning to practice science many people accused them of being witches right um simply because it was something new it was something that that they've never experienced never saw never you know never seen before and and they accuse those scientists of being witches you know simply because they they didn't understand what was going on in other words they were intellectually lazy right instead of inquiring instead of asking questions instead of educating themselves they entrenched themselves and bit down in their own traditions in their own um old way of thinking and the the old knowledge the old information and said you know what i don't want to believe in this and they had no logical reason to why not believe in it simply because they just didn't want to right um and the same thing happens in like racism right if you think about like the confederate flag you know for for those people who grew up in the south for many white people who grew up in the South, um, the Confederate flag has been presented to them as a symbol of Southern pride, of of um, Southern heritage, right? Um, and for them, that's a positive thing because they've been they've been taught that through generation and generation and generation. But there's also this, you know, opposite piece of information. Um, they, they, they have to look at and determine whether they want to look at it objectively or not. You know, and the other piece of information is that the Confederate flag is a symbol of oppression because that flag represented the Confederate states. Confederate states were that were um, fighting for their right to continue to own slaves. You know, the Confederate flag is a flag of treason 
a flag that represents states that were trying to remove themselves from the states in America in order to become their own country. And they lost the war, you know. Um, so if they have that piece of information, because it's a historical, it, you know, it's not a historical narrative, it's a historical fact. Um, they Now they have to view that information and determine whether they're going to bite down into their pride, into their emotions, or view it objectively and disassociate or distance themselves from such symbol. Right? The same thing happens with misogyny, right? As a as a male, I don't have to be looking over my shoulders when I go out into the streets. But women do, you know? And just because that's not my experience, I can't tell a woman that their experience is not true, right? So I have to be able to look at, you know, at that information objectively. I have to say, well, it doesn't happen to me, and that's true, but that's because I'm a man. And because I'm a man, I don't have to look look over my shoulder or, or fear constantly um, that someone may try to abduct me. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, uh, that men don't get abductive or that men don't get sex trafficked. But it happens significantly less to men than it happens to women, right? So when I'm able to look at information in in objectively and, and and take my emotions out of it i can i can look at it and and make a decision that is logically sound so confucius once said real knowledge is to know the extent of one's ignorance so if we know our own ignorance if we know that we're ignorant in certain aspects then we're not going to act like we know everything right uh, one of my favorite revolutionaries, uh, Stokely Carmichael, once said, The knowledge that I have now is not the knowledge I had then. In other words, information or knowledge is ever-changing. We are learning with the times. Things change. So therefore, just because something was true back in our parents' time, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true in today's time. Um, you know, we can talk about absolute truth and we can talk about absolute truth, you know, in another podcast, because I do believe that there is an absolute truth. Um, but when it comes to society, society is a, is an ever changing body, right? So we have to understand that we have to understand that. So in order to answer the two questions, right, what is an intellectual, an intellectual, is any being or a person who is capable of having their own thoughts. That's what I believe is an intellectual. Not a person that has been given a title. Not a person that is good at school. Not a person who was a, whose thoughts were attributed worth by another individual. No. Any person who is able to articulate their own thoughts, their own words, you know, that person is an intellectual. So how do I become an intellectual? Well, we become an intellectual by not being intellectually lazy, by not by not ignoring information simply because it makes us feel uncomfortable or simply because it makes us feel a certain type of way that it's not a positive feeling. Right. In order to become an intellectual, we have to we have to confront those that inf those 
pieces of information, those new revelations and, um, you know, and confront the emotions that come along with them, you know, um, and follow its logical process all the way through. Follow its logical process all the way through, no matter the information that's being placed in front of us and look at it objectively by putting our pride aside and our emotions aside in order to be to remain intellectually engaged. I hope you have enjoyed yourself. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and click that bell for more notification and updates on similar content uploaded to our channel. Don't forget that the LBR podcast can be found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for all Android users and iPhone users. Also, give us a follow in order to keep up with all of our content and share the podcast on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Make sure to write a comment below and give your opinion on the subject. And welcome to our community of LBR Future Thinkers. Also, let's see if we can get this video to a thousand likes. That way I can drop our next video. See you guys later.